Welcome to Side Effects with an A. When effect is normally used, it's a noun. It's already occurred. Effect is a verb meaning action. Action influences outcomes. I'm Scott McGowan. And I'm Anne-Marie Singleton. We will provoke you to think differently. Side Effects, where problems are defined, solutions exposed. Welcome to Side Effects. I'm Scott McGowan. We've got a terrific guest with us today, Greg Harmeyer from Tier One Performance Solutions. Welcome. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me today, Scott. Appreciate yeah, it. I, I appreciate it too. So we met at uh, Aileron. So for our listeners, Aileron is an entrepreneur center founded by the Mateel family, uh, which really helps uh, private enterprise perpetuate off into the future. And uh, and I love that place, and it's a real gift in our community. And there's people from all over the country flying in. Strategic planning, vision casting, just a variety of sources. So Greg and I met uh, there, and uh, he's got a, an amazing organization in Cincinnati. Tell us a little bit about Tier 1. So Tier 1 works with organizations to improve performance through their people. And with that, uh, it, it, there's lots of things that go into that, um, but you know it ends up, uh, a lot of our work goes into a lot of corporate training and development, talent development. We do a lot of organizational change work, helping people navigate major changes. And we help with what we call organization evolution, which is like cultural leadership. And uh, the, the net of it is we're trying to help people do their best work. So there, there are hundreds or thousands of employees in an organization. And if they're doing their best work, the organization's performing better. So how do you reach them? How do you connect with them? How do you market what you're doing to them? How do you prepare them uh, and raise the level of performance that they bring? What do you think? Um, so you work with really big companies. I was on your website. I mean, McDonald's, Cintas, uh, United Healthcare. Keep going. PNC, Macy's, yeah. Procter & Gamble. Yeah. Yeah. So big companies. What do you think? And then we're a small company. So we've got 220 some odd belly buttons. Mm -hmm. What do you think from, from a larger organization? What do you think they struggle with the most? Well, I, you know, I think in, in today's economy, everybody is trying to be more agile, more responsive, uh, more connected to their customers, create better experiences for their customers, and you do that through your own people. So people talk a lot about brand, right? Your people are the representation of your brand. And so when you have hundreds or thousands of people scattered across the country or across the globe in many of these cases, trying to align them around the same purpose, the same vision, the same values, in the same direction or to, to steer that is really difficult undertaking. And even at a, if a CEO's got the right kind of inspired idea of where they need to go, transcending that through layers of management and leadership uh, so that people feel and experience what they're trying to do from a value system, it, it's just a, it's a daunting task. And so, and, and to do it, you've got to use a lot of, of methods of touch point and a lot of methods of engagement. Yeah, so, so you do, now do you work with smaller organizations? We do, uh, we work regionally here mostly, we work with a lot of, I'll say 50 million to $500 million companies directly with CEOs and some of the direct reports on kind of how do you set the vision of where you're trying to go and then, and then deploying that. So when, when I think of really big companies like you just explained versus <clears throat> maybe McGowan Braben or a smaller organization, is uh, they a lot of them have remote workforces, mm -hmm. which I would think would be even just a gigantic challenge. It is. I think you know so much of it's cascading leadership, right? I mean, the, the how you engage people and how you align them and, and get them working on the same things at the right time 
d depends upon that, that distributed leadership across the organization. So how do you create, and if you want to do it in, a, in any, speed, any sense of speed and agility, you have to distribute authority and autonomy. And so or, as organizations work more and more to that and try to get consistency at the same time, that's a big part of the challenge. Yeah. So communication, constant on-point messaging, internal marketing and visualization of ideas and, uh, and, and, and concepts around how you engage people and what you're trying to do and what you're about are just critically important. Yeah, and it's probably, you probably have to be relentless about that too. I mean, you, I, I absolutely agree. I mean, I think you guys do a fantastic job of it here, but as we were talking earlier, Scott, you're constantly bringing new people into the organization and context for people matters a ton. So their experience of what they've learned about uh, what, what a workplace should be and how management is and what a, a company's values are, we're shaped somewhere. And so now they're in a different context with a different team and you, you just have to be repeated and consistent in your messaging and your belief system and direction, all the while knowing that it's changing and evolving itself. Oh yeah, that's really interesting. You know, we think about that a lot as we bring new people in here. And, you know, I, I, I think about the first time I went to, um, who's my wife, we'll be married 30 years in June, which is really cool. She's my best friend. But I remember the first time I went to her family for dinner, right? So the family is behaving the way they've always behaved. But I'm brand new to this equation, right? And I'm trying to figure that all out. Mm -hmm. And I remember my wife just, like, she wanted to go slow, so I understood where it was because she was probably nervous. Like I was nervous when she came and met my family, which is a heck of a lot more chaotic uh, than hers. And we've just got to be sensitive to that as leaders, as new people come in. Right. How do we nurture them? How do we yeah. teach them? Well, congratulations, first of all. Thank you. You and your wife on, on 30 years of marriage. That's quite, a, that's quite an accomplishment. And um, I, it is. I think it's really important to recognize, you know, when we do our work, we always say what we help organizations with is starting with that end person, starting with what does the world look and feel like to them? Because most of us as managers and leaders and we're brought up to think about, okay, here's our grand strategy, here's what we wanna do, and we're pushing it out to a mass of people. Uh, but really what's happening is people are absorbing that or they're not. And so you've got to look at their world and what does it feel like to walk into that chaotic family or whatever it may be? Yeah. And how do you make it comfortable and get create the space for them to absorb things? And so how do you create onboarding experiences and support mechanisms and, and the leadership necessary to recognize that you hired this person for a reason. They brought talents and capabilities and some type of special strengths that you found valuable. Uh, so you've got to really nurture that and invest in the fact that it's going to take time for them to come on board and be a part of what you want. Yeah, and you have to be passionate about it as well. I love your your um, kind of introspective review of making sure that your people get it, because I think way too many organizations focus way too much on the brand, on what the consumer, what they. Absolutely. I mean, ultimately that's what they want. But if your people don't get it, and you and I were talking about it a little bit, is you know, are you on a quest for? You know, 20% of your workforce will do whatever you ask them to do every single day. Mm -hmm. You probably know these statistics better than I do. I'm making them up on the fly. Uh, but realistically, 20% will, 20% won't. Mm -hmm. And it's the 60% that are available, mm -hmm. right? So how do we nudge them and yeah. encourage them? Well, and you're really trying to get to that discretionary energy that they have to bring. People want to do great work. They want to contribute. They want to do meaningful stuff. You know, work is not a, a negative thing. It's something it's 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 innate to us to want to do uh, contribute our, from our strengths. But you got to create an environment that engages and that taps into that discretionary energy. And I, you know, when we talk about brand, I, I I do think a lot of organizations spend so much time, you know, on their positioning statements, on the external representation of brand elements. And I I won't pick on the company. I remember a company a few years ago 
launching a new uh, brand statement of, of what they were and was on billboards everywhere. And it just occurred to me, I was like, so did their people all of a sudden become that now that they put this brand statement there? Or did yeah. they actually invest in the people, you know, adopting those traits? And, and, you know, when we think about it internally, and I think it's true with every company is you're a leverage point. As a leader, you're a leverage point. Like you can go put a brand statement out there, but if you can create the leverage of all the people in your organization living that, you really have something powerful at that point. Yeah. Yeah. And we were talking about this earlier as well as just I'm a big believer in like the five senses of people. Mm hmm. So can I get them to see something? Can I get them to hear something? Uh, can I get them to touch something and the power of touch? Uh, and then ultimately, we want them to feel something. And then can I get them to taste that? But I think what's most important is internally, the people have to understand that and get that before yeah. your customers ever, ever will. Absolutely, and it's gotta be authentic, that you can't give them any sense of inconsistency. You can't give them any sense of, these are, you know, we want you to be innovative, we want you to take risks, you know, whatever it may be. If you give them a reason to believe that that's not true, or you give them an inconsistent message, you're really gonna limit your, the, the power of your organization. And we see that a lot. And, and, when, and again, when you think about thousands of people, you have to reduce, re eliminate these inconsistencies across all the layers of management that are out there that touch those people. So it's, it's a big undertaking. Yeah, a lot of people today complain about, uh, obviously, uh, whether it be social media or cell phones, connection points, uh, and then uh, this millennial term, which mm -hmm. I hear that, and honestly, some 52, uh, and um, I, I don't like the word mm -hmm. because I think I think people have put a generation in a in a position that is not deserved. And I only say that from my own position because mm -hmm. I think they put my generation in a position that is not deserved. Because mm -hmm. I look at millennials here at MV that possibly could be more mature than me. <laughs> sure, sure. Uh, and, and and so when you talk about um, your work. And you talk about millennials. What, like, where yeah. does your organization sit on that? Well, it's fascinating. I was talking to some friends uh, in various leadership positions in other companies recently, and they were talking, about, what do you think about the millennials? I'm like, I love the millennials. I do. And, and they all looked at me like I was crazy. <laughs> They're like, what kind of millennials have you hired? And it's funny, like, it almost has a negative connotation, millennial, mm -hmm. at least to, to, to the demographic that's not them. I, I love the passion they bring. I love the fact that they want to be part of something that is a positive force. And if you create a great purpose and a great why, as we've talked about, yeah. you know, why do you, what, what is your existence? They have so much energy and creativity to bring to it. And there's an authenticity to them and a transparency to them that I think is refreshing. And I think they're gonna shape the economy to a broader perspective of not just transactional financial performance, which absolutely is really important, but also meaningful impact on people's lives. And I think they're gonna bring that part of, they already are, uh, that part of, of what our economy has missed and our world has, has often missed to, to it. And I, I just see it excited to see what they, what they have to offer. Yeah, so we have this evolution of, of time. So if you go back to the 80s, you had this, uh, the Wall Street, right? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so it was this decade of just debauchery and greed. Mm -hmm. And you've got the 90s. And then so here, here we are, and it's shifting. Uh, and I agree with you, too. It, it, it feels better in that. Uh, and then how do we take the wisdom from somebody that's learned life the hard way? Mm -hmm. with the right. older they are, Absolutely. You get some real valuable lessons. Yeah. And, uh, you know, sometimes mistakes are so much fun, you've got to make them more than once. <laughs> sure. Uh, and then how do you teach a younger generation? Well, and, that, and that's, that's the, you know, the, 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 I think some of the challenges with the, the classic millennial stereotype, and I hate to stereotype anyone, is 
uh, you know, as a desire to, to have greater responsibility faster. And I'm like, well, when I look back on us, we were probably the same way. We probably went about it this, uh, differently. Um, it, but also perhaps, um, the, the, you know, understanding the value of experience. That's one thing that I would, I would question anybody young in their career to really uh, at least uh, recognize what you don't know and appreciate that experience does have value. And, and because the more you can learn from others' experiences, the faster you can grow oh, and yeah. develop uh, and not discount those experiences. There's a quote I use a lot is, uh, life's a wonderful teacher, and she rarely gets an apple on her desk. <laughs> right, right. And the older you are, you know, it's funny, too, you, you know, if, especially if you meet. I love, um, so my father-in-law is in a nursing home, mm-hmm. and we go visit him. But I love when you talk about something really big that's important to you, to someone that's significantly older. Mm-hmm. They just level set that. It's like, yeah, so what? Yeah. Well, bad experiences are, can be great experiences, oh, too. Oh, big right? time. You know, yeah. it's... And, and that's something to, 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 and I hate to use the term bad experience for that reason. It's if you go into situations and recognize you can learn something from everything um, and that you pour yourself into every day and every week, I think that, that those people particularly, well, I guess at any stage of life, but I was going to say mm-hmm. particularly young in your career, can grow a lot faster when you embrace every day that way. Yeah, and I watched my wife kind of struggle through that. So it's hard, which is one of the things that I was really, really um, impressed with with your organization was this uh, being intentional about mental mental health, and it was really kind of like a surprise to you and your organization and w- what you guys just decided to do on the fly. Yeah, well, it was, and I appreciate you bringing it up, Scott. I, I it, you know, and May is Mental Health Awareness Month, so it's even more pressing or, or relevant that we're talking about it today. But uh, you know, if I can tell that story a little bit, it it, um, it goes back a few years. We looked at, you know, you talk about purpose and an organization trying to have an impact. Well, we've got all these incredibly creative talents in our organization, and we contribute to a lot of causes, as I'm sure you guys, I know you guys do, and lots of, you know, financially. But we said, what can we contribute that's unique, that we can bring those talents to, uh, to having an impact on something? And, uh, and we said, you know, mental health is just a frustrating space. I've had personal experiences, my partner's had. I said, what if we could bring something to help, you know, improve awareness around mental health? Uh, around communication and education around. So we, we kind of started on a path to try to figure out how to do that. And we created a, a program we called Start the Conversation. We launched it internally uh, as kind of a pilot. We, what we wanted to do is give it to companies and let them use these resources to help break down stigma and, and raise awareness around mental health. And it has been a game changer. It has been phenomenal for us, Scott. I mean, the, the, the cultural impacts and what we've learned from it around mental health has been just significant. Well, you've even offered <clears throat> to kind of maybe um, let us use the keys to that. Absolutely. To give it out to, it, uh, to our customers as well. And that was our intention was to say any company could use this, but mm-hmm. we should start with ourselves, right? And so we did two years ago in the month of May, we ran this program every day. And it, it had some videos and stories and information from experts and uh, we and people posted on a social network site of things they were going through. And it was amazing. One, the, the big eye opener, maybe this isn't surprising to other people, but we 94% of our people in our survey said they had a direct loved one affected by mental health. Wow. And it's everywhere. And at the time we started this, it was like we need to help people with their lives because it's such a big, important part of their life. We still feel that way. Now when I look up from a workplace environment, this underlying epidemic of mental health that people deal with has such an impact on engagement, on performance, on, mm-hmm. on what they're doing that never gets talked about or, or, or eff- effectively dealt with. And it's, just, it's a big opportunity to help people in their lives in every respect. Yeah, I mean, because people just don't, they show up to work with that. Yes. It's not like they leave that in their trunk in the parking lot and, hey, I'll deal with that when I come out. 
I think the other issue, too, that's really interesting um, in regards to that, one is our healthcare system, unfortunately, doesn't do a very good job addressing mental mm-hmm. health. And then there is this taboo that um, whether it be shame or guilt, you know, pick a word that um, people don't want to talk about it. And I think what I loved about that and what you did for your organization is it's amazing what happens to people when you let them know that um, they're not alone. Right. That we all struggle with that. Well, and that's been the biggest profound thing. We had a, we, we believe we've had a great culture, very open culture, but now it's very normal in our culture to be able to talk about things people are saying. You know, my, my, I've got a sibling who's got alcoholism or I've got you know, a child who's suffering with depression. And not that you need to talk about that in work, but you should feel comfortable just the same way I had my child broke his arm, you know? And if the more we can normalize mental health as just a health issue, uh, the more we can help people get help, which is the biggest problem in it. It takes eight to 10 years before somebody starts signs of a mental health problem before they get treatment. And yeah. that is one of the biggest problems. So if we can accelerate that and get people comfortable going and getting help, it's gonna have a huge impact. Yeah, and in our business too, we see significantly, uh, roughly one in five people, one in four people take a uh, antidepressant. And I'm a big believer in antidepressants. Mm-hmm. I just think too many people take them. Yeah. And I think for the most part, a lot of times, what that can do for people is it can mask a real problem. Uh, I know this personally in my own life because I took them. Mm-hmm. And uh, because I was depressed and I didn't, whether it be self-esteem or affirmation or I picked that. But the issue for me was I took the medication and the problems I had in my life didn't feel like problems anymore. Mm-hmm. And so it, it actually got worse. That's interesting. Yeah. And then, so then, then all of a sudden it, it's this gift of awareness and through talking with people yeah. is uh, it was uh, it wasn't a prescription issue. It was a Scott issue. Mm-hmm. So when mm-hmm. I wake up to that and mm-hmm. I'm vulnerable and I can share that with people yeah. and I can and, uh, and let people know, then I rise out of that. Now, there are some people chemically like it's really important that they take sure. their medication. Absolutely. And mo- I, the research is I've read it, it often says both are necessary, you know, the, mm-hmm. the, the psychology treatment and uh, and medication, but we've not tried to be any kind of expert in this field. We just want to socialize the fact that this is such a normal part of our lives. We need to stop the stigma about it and help people think about how they can begin the discussion. And you just sharing your own experience with depression is huge. I think if leaders can be more vulnerable and open, it starts to set a stage mm-hmm. like this isn't looked upon as a bad thing. It's looked upon as a very normal thing. Yeah, that's what I loved about your website. So maybe uh, maybe we'll give our listeners more information about what Tier 1 Performance Solutions has created. Uh, I was on your uh, website last night. There's a video. You talk about that. Yes. Uh, and then uh, we'll maybe meet with your team and talk about, hey, how do we how do we try to get that deeper inside of employers uh, and let That'd people know that uh, that they're not alone? Well, we're on this uh, commitment to the cause and are willing to work with or help anyone. We, we've kind of made a commitment because it's not our core business. This is just something we're contributing out of the, the, the resources we have. So if anybody ever wants to talk about this topic, we're interested. In, well, it's in great because even you, like you're aligned with uh, UC mm-hmm. and you're aligned with uh, Linder Center, Center of Hope. Hope. Mm-hmm. So you said, hey, we're not experts, but we know where the experts are. Mm-hmm. So and, let's and, have a conversation. And many, many nonprofits in the mental health space, we've, we've begun building relationships exactly. with as well. So we definitely mm-hmm. can help uh, connect dots and just contribute to the cause. Yeah, a lot of people just don't know. Right. I don't know where to turn and where to go. That's right. So, uh, Greg, thanks for being here. Really appreciate you having me. Yeah, and thanks for everything you do. Uh, Likewise. For uh, organizations, and uh, we just really appreciate it. So uh, thanks for listening to us on Side Effects. Catch us next time, and have a great day.
Thanks for listening and opening your mind. If you're interested in learning more, you can reach us at scott at healthierbirthdays.com. Or Ann at healthierbirthdays.com. We hope you'll join us next time on on Side Side Effects. Effects.